Hey, Stephen, welcome to the Deal Closers podcast by Website Closers. I'm Isaac Porter, your host for the show. We have an amazing guest today, Stephen Spear. He's the CEO of and founder of e-commerce lending. We work with e-commerce lending very regularly here at Website Closers, and we're just thrilled to have Stephen on the show. Stephen, how are you doing? Certainly. And, and first off, thank you very much for having me on. So yes, uh, I'm originally from Orange County, California. I went to business school at University of San Diego, School of Business, and uh, right after I graduated, I met my wife at a wedding, and she was from Illinois, and I ended up moving there. So I began my lending career in Chicago about 28 years ago. I worked at various lending institutions throughout my career, including you know the bigger ones, Wells Fargo, Chase. But, you know, I also have been a small business owner myself multiple times. I always gravitated towards doing my own thing. And, and sure, by now, you know that I'm, I'm just not a, I'm not a corporate guy. So to my own detriment, uh, a few years ago, I was working for a regional bank and I saw a lot of flaws in lending. And one was with, you know, the fact that, you know, typically, especially with business acquisitions, you know, a buyer would be told by his business broker or, or some connection to contact a local bank for business acquisition financing. And, you know, there's there's a big flaw in that that I, I saw, including flaws that affected my ability in getting our my clients' loans approved. And that's if you do go typically to a bank, you know, the buyer has basically one shot to get his loan approved or her loan approved. And and if that didn't happen, as you know, Isaac, you know, that person would have to start the entire process over again, oftentimes not only costing money, but, you know, aggravation and, and potentially having the seller back out and cancel a deal because of, of delays. So I thought there, there should be a, a you know, better way in doing this. So, you know, based on my pretty extensive experience and whatever, I, I, I formulated essentially a business model to avoid having to do that. And after, you know, being in e-commerce and the online space for roughly seven years, I set the wheels in motion um, to form a business that was really different. And I formed e-commerce lending. And as you know, it's it's very different than, we take a very different lending approach. And I don't want to talk too much about my business, except to say that, you know, it, we're not a one size fits fits all type of lender. We really look at the buyer and look at the business that person's trying to acquire and really try to take care of their loans in a way where that ends up in acquisition success. And to do that, we, you know, because every lender has their own credit box and some deals are small, some deals are big, some buyers are strong, some buyers are weak. So we're really able to really formulate a, a type of approach where we have acquisition success. And, and we've been able to do that. You know, 97% of our loans are, are approved and closed. And, you know, most banks are at, at 62%. So, so that's, that's been our really competitive edge. I know that was a long answer, but I really wanted to cover that for the uh, listeners. Well, I know that's really, really appreciate you going through the detail. You know, we uh, certainly love working with you at uh, e-commerce lending here at Website Closers just because of that. You know, uh, one of the things I, I, I tell sellers when we're 
getting ready to to list a deal is that it it's helpful when it's possible to get a pre-qualification for SBA financing because it really expands the buyer pool for the deal and because of that we get we can often negotiate better terms for the seller and the buyer's benefit by having access to 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 financing so you know i think i think people well, there's a lot of questions i have for you around around the process in general but let's talk about kind of after the fact you know what happens in terms of support for a buyer following the acquisition do you, do you offer any services that can that can help buyers kind of on that you know the day after closing and, and going forward with their new business Absolutely. And before I kind of delve into that, one thing that we do during the acquisition process is that we really support a buyer in his or her search in the way that not only do we pre-qualify them prior to acquisition, but we also are able to pre-qualify the business that um, they're looking at to make sure that any business that they want to move forward with a letter of intent is financeable for lack of a better term. We provide that. And, and then, yes, post acquisition, we have a really strong team here at e-commerce lending. Our national sales manager, Rocky Claiborne, who is also an e-commerce business owner. He has a very successful e-commerce store. You know, he handles this responsibility and does a great job. You know, he's able to give tax, um, sales tax assistance to our buyers post acquisition. He's helped source products. Um, he's analyzed fulfillment. He even does his own fulfillment and provides a 3PL service and um, and also is able to make recommendations for, I don't know, CPAs or bookkeeping. And as you know, you know, being in the online space, there are a lot of nuances. So it's imperative that a buyer it gets set up for success post-acquisition. And you don't want a CPA that doesn't even know how to spell e-commerce. You know, we, you want a CPA that knows the space. You want to be able to, to assist a buyer and being able to have additional um, suppliers, analyze fulfillment. Perhaps, you know, you should move fulfillment to a, or a different type of business model to, to save on costs. So those are all the, you know, those are one of, some of the many offerings that we have here at e-commerce lending. So, so buyers are often interested in what types of capital are available to finance the companies that they're interested in buying. And SBA guaranteed loans are, are a common source of capital for buyers. We see deals with seller financing in the form of a seller note or, or potentially an earnout uh, for non-SBA deals. What other types of financing are available right now uh, outside of the SBA? Is there anything for, you know, any type of traditional commercial lending products that work for for acquisition financing, in particular, you know, focused as as you and I both are in the e-commerce and tech space? You know, that that's a very good question, Isaac. And that's a question that comes up quite a bit here at e-commerce lending from, from our buyer clients. There really isn't any uh, alternative to SBA lending within the space. Primarily because loans outside the space require, in a lot of cases, 100% collateral. So when you're selling or buying, trying to acquire an online business, in a lot of cases, there is no collateral. So that's where the SBA loan comes into place, or into play, rather. It doesn't require collateral. And that's why when you speak about financing within the online space, most people only talk about SBA financing. 
Uh, we are internally working on a few options to that. We do have some private equity relationships that we're developing, and we hope to have a private label product out by the end of the year. It's been a little bit of a slow process, and I don't want to give out too much information, but it'll um, it'll truly be a game changer. Are you are you able to just talk kind of conceptually about how that how that might look, or do we have to follow up with you for another interview uh, when that come when that launches? First off, I mean SBA financing is very good. It's a little bit painful, I admit. I'll be the first to admit that, but it's going to require a little less pain than obtaining an SBA loan. And secondly, it's going to be limited to typically purchases in a probably 3 million plus range, probably 3 million to about 30 million. And also we're working on getting a type of product that doesn't require a personal guarantee. And I'm sure a lot of your lenders or a lot of your uh, listeners out there you know, sometimes are hesitant regarding the personal guarantee. So hopefully we'll be able to offer a product that doesn't require one. So that's um, that's a little bit about it. It's also going to be a very buyer-selective product. It's not going to be for every buyer. I'll, uh, I'll be able to hopefully divulge a little bit more as I continue down the path with our PE group. Yeah, very cool. Be excited to hear about that when uh, as it as it gets formalized and you have some more details that you're able to share. So, and I think you know, consistent with what you've said, you know, my experience has been that as as the deals get larger and the cash flow becomes more stable, more financing options are open. And as you kind of get into that lower middle market and middle market space, you know, we're able to work with you know in some cases non-bank lenders or other other sources of, of financing but let's let's uh let's kind of go back to the basics here and sticking to the SBA theme you know just for anyone who's maybe new to the concept or or just learning about how to finance an acquisition what what is an SBA loan and and kind of what are the various types and how do they how do they work in general certainly so an SBA loan is a loan sim- that is simply guaranteed by the government it protects a lender against default. And that's why lenders are more open to doing these small business loans. And and despite what you've heard, the SBA does not do business acquisition loans. They do not lend their own money. They're simply a guarantee. They simply guarantee the loan. They're, They're like an insurance company for lenders. So if somebody were to default on his or her loan, the SBA would cover 75% of the loan balance with that guarantee. So it allows lenders to be a lot more, you know, just a lot more aggressive in lending because without that guarantee and with no collateral, Isaac, they're not going to be giving out these loans. So, and secondly, we're very fortunate in the United States that we have this program because no other country has a program like this. And that's why in a lot of different countries, and I have friends throughout the world it's impossible to find a business loan when you don't have collateral. So we're very, very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that otherwise just limits your options for acquiring a business to, to cash effectively. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a great tool. And it, uh, from, from a buyer's perspective, it's just, it's, you know, the, the, the term on these, these, uh, SBA loans, the seven, a loans are generally 10 years and the rates are, the rates are very competitive and uh, just a, it's a great option for someone who's looking to really leverage the amount of money that they have to put down on a business. Yeah. What, what are the different types of SBA loans that are available right now? There are two primary types. Um, the business, the one that pertains to business acquisition is called a 7A loan. Why it's called 7A, I don't know, but that's what it's called. And it's, um, 
that encompasses 100% of, of business acquisition loans. And there's another type called a, four, a 504 loan, which is specifically designed for real estate transactions. So those are the two types. You know, both have a SBA guarantee and both allow, you know, lenders out there to give loans when there's little or no collateral. So, so there's a, you know, I mean, I guess this is kind of how I think about it, but there's a box that all these loans have to uh, kind of fit in with various parameters. So just kind of give me an overview of what that looks like. How, how big can the loans be? Who are they kind of designed for? You know, what, what's the kind of the ideal situation and what are the parameters of those, uh, of the qualification requirements? So SBA loans, generally up to $5 million, very, I think, very aggressive. So any one individual is able to buy or able to borrow up to $5 million. Um, it could be one transaction. It could be several transactions, but with a limit of $5 million, that's a loan size. For example, right now we have a deal that's a $7 million transaction. Well, the loan's at $5 million. So, so it doesn't have to be you can use SBA financing for the larger deals, but the amount of, of available funding to any individual is $5 million. And most, uh, most of the time, the, the floor on, on this type of program is $350,000. Most lenders don't go below that. There's just too much work for too little money. It's actually a kind of a, they lose money on really small deals. So uh, so basically, for all intents and purposes, three hundred fifty thousand dollar loan to five million. So how how does a you know just thousands of banks out there? How does a small business owner find the right SBA lender if they're going through this process? I think it really depends on what space you're talking about. The online space, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of nuances when it comes to lending within the space. Based on my own research. Over 95% of banks don't lend in the space, so you're very limited. Whereas, let's just say, Isaac, you're buying a building in your hometown. You could go to any bank you want. You'll probably go to the, the bank you bank at right on the street corner there, the local bank, to get a commercial loan on that building. When it comes to getting a loan in the online business acquisition space, you're going to be very, very limited and the amount of lenders that actually understand the space is surprisingly minuscule. So I would just follow the lead, tell your listeners to follow, follow the lead of, of their business brokers uh, that are in the online space because they'll have a good idea of who to go to. But, you know, oftentimes we do have clients that don't follow a business broker's lead. They go to a Chase or Wells Fargo or whatever, and they're told that, oh yeah, we don't lend in the online space. They simply just don't understand it. Yeah. Well, look, I, I worked in uh, large commercial banks for 20 years and I can, I can, I can confirm in fact that, uh, that most large banks don't, don't even attempt to play in this space. I think the, the point you were making about, about collateralization for, you know, either brick and mortar or commercial real estate is is really the key differentiator. Kind of traditional thinking is that we need tangible collateral equal to the amount of the loan value. And then sometimes they'll add on an SBA guarantee for good measure. I think with e-commerce deals, as you pointed out earlier, there are generally no tangible assets. Sometimes there's some inventory, maybe some computers, but but for the most part, the value of the business is in the cash flow. So these are these are really cash flow deals. And the fantastic part about the SBA loans is that um, the SBA allows the the banks to 
to get the guarantee so that they can lend on the cash flow and be secured effectively by the guarantee. Exactly. That's that's you're spot on on that. How much business have you have you closed at e-commerce lending in in this space? You know, what's the size of that that world look like for you? Uh, almost 400 million to date and you know a lot of a lot of deals approaching 350 deals. Our average deal size is a little over a million dollars and it, it's um it's continuing to increase. Uh but I'll tell you we do a lot of small deals too, you know, 500, 600,000. And uh, right now, like I mentioned, I, we have currently a $7 million deal. So that kind of gives you a, a, a broad, kind of broad span. But we treat all of our clients equally. And we're just really excited in helping them obtain a business. Unfortunately, oftentimes, I think it's like buying a house until they actually get under LOI. And they're like, holy crap, it's not like buying a house. It's, there's a lot of, lot of moving parts, as you well know. Yeah, it'd be like buying a house if your house had thousands of customers and a and a bunch of different moving parts. So, so, so what what's the experience like for for a buyer then? You know, just kind of walk walk through that. How does that how does that look? Yeah. So on the buyer side, you know, most of the heavy liftings during the loan process first off falls on a buyer. For a buyer, once they're under LOI, been accepted, and we have a fully executed LOI, we work with them in in constructing and approving their loan, obviously. And a lot of it has to do with gathering tax returns and P&Ls, uh, balance sheets from brokers like you or, or the seller directly, answering a few questions from that the underwriter may have for the seller. Those are some, I mean, we collect a lot of documentation up front. The main thing is we first, once we're introduced to a buyer, we just make sure they tick all the boxes that they're either a U.S. citizen or green card holder. We look at Personal liquidity, you know, do they have money to buy a business? Uh, or are they buying with partners or investors? Or what does that look like? We also have them fill out a, a assessment form and we do an over phone interview to, uh, to make sure they have the right business acumen. So we look at, you know, personal liquidity, business acumen. We're making sure that you don't have a, a, a buyer who is pre-qualified for let's just say a $500,000 acquisition and he's looking or she's looking at a $5 million acquisition. So we try to align, align them with their search. And sometimes it is skewed. You have people that don't know how much they qualify for and they tend to look at a lot bit bigger businesses than actually they qualify for. That phone call and the two assessment forms that we have them complete really aligns that. And then once they start their search, we're able to vet the actual businesses they're looking at. So we look at those things. We look at personal credit. And again, buyer and business congruency. That's really important. And then obviously we ask critical questions like, you know, have you had any criminal convictions or, you know, bankruptcies or do you have poor credit? And then ultimately we help the buyer determine how much they qualify for. And that, that's such a valuable service, the, the buyer pre-qualification. You know, I, I sent a bunch of buyers your way to get pre-qualified. What I always tell them is that when, when they submit an offer with a, pre, you know, submit an offer that includes SBA financing, if they've got a pre-qualification with it, it's taken much more seriously than an offer that requires financing, but the buyer hasn't actually gone through the process to get pre-qualified because nine times out of 10, like you said, if they, if they haven't got pre-qualified, and they haven't kind of gone through that learning process, they, they may be bidding on a business that they just simply can't afford and they won't be able to close. And then, and then you know, they're, they're just not going to win that deal. You're exactly right. And some, some brokers even go to extent of 
once they do receive an LOI with the pre-qualification letter, they'll literally call us up and just like, okay, we're, we're, we got an offer from so-and-so, you know, and just kind of test the water. I mean, obviously we're not going to give out personal information, but they're kind of reconfirming the fact because as you know, there are a lot of buyers out there. And one reason we do the pre-qualification is that it definitely separates them from all the other buyers that haven't been pre-qualified, that have no idea if they qualify for an acquisition or not. So it really, it sets the stage in a really good way. And, and then obviously the, the, the other thing we do to kind of set the stage is we, we never want a buyer to make an offer on a business that he or she doesn't know if it qualifies for financing. So oftentimes before they really get serious on the business, they'll provide us with the financials of that business and a business summary, offer letter, or a SIM, and we're able to make the determination on that business. But the good news is oftentimes website closers and their brokers have us pre-qualify the business before it goes to market. So when buyers come across that business, they know it qualifies for fine. If they'll know if it qualifies for SBA financing or not. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think uh, anytime we can talk about a pre-qualification on a listing, it's it's really helpful um, for that deal. As I was saying, so so what do you? As we're kind of talking about businesses being pre-qualified, what do you look for in a business? And then you know, like you talked about with the buyers, what are you know, what are the challenges or issues that kind of come up that could be a showstopper? The first things we look at is, is a business based in the U.S. And for our, some of your listeners that aren't familiar with the online space and maybe are have more of a brick and mortar type background, I mean, that's the first thing we check because a lot of businesses are domiciled outside the U.S. So we look for that. We look for what type of product or service are they selling? Is it something that's sustainable or are they selling, you know, fidget spinners that'll be here today, gone tomorrow? So we definitely look to make sure the business itself has a good product mixture that not one skew is, it makes up, you know, hundred percent of their sales and not one customer makes up hundred percent of their sales. We look, really look for a good product and or service mix. And then ultimately we, we analyze the tax returns. And in some cases we analyze the P&Ls of the tax returns aren't available. We look at cash flow of the business. We make sure the business has enough historical cash flow to service a proposed debt payment, i.e., you know, the loan. Does it make enough money on a monthly basis to cover the loan payment? So we look at that. Is that important? Very much so. <laughs> it has to cover that. So, for example, let me just give you a quick. What is the ratio? Yeah, I, yeah. Let's just talk through a couple examples there, because I think I think you know, I'm making a joke asking you if it's important, but I think it's something that that buyers are actually always trying to figure out is how much how much you know debt can this business afford to pay? You obviously don't want to pay all of your net income to to a loan, right? So, what we look at is we look at the um, SDE seller discretionary earnings. And we also look at the debt payment and the debt payment cannot be. So basically the amount of SDE has to be at least 115% of the debt service of the loan. So it's a ratio of 1.15. So you need a cushion. That's the cushion is the uh, 15% cushion. Basically a 15% cushion and minimum. And it's not just based on maybe the trailing 12 months or, or, really short historical earning. I mean, lenders look at a minimum of two years of adequate historical performance. 
And, and right now we're looking at two and a half years, meaning 2019, 2020, and what's going on in 2021. Yeah. How, how are lenders thinking about what happened in with, with COVID for businesses that were either, you know, a lot, a lot of the businesses we see have been positively impacted with the coronavirus just because more people were shopping online or, or was pushing business to their stores. I mean, how are you adjusting for that in your calculations? What's interesting, and that's a really good point, Isaac, what's, what's really interesting about that is that we really thought 2020, it was a COVID bump, but that COVID bump isn't going away. We, we look at, especially right now, we're looking at, we're almost through the month of August. Those numbers did not decrease in 2021. I mean, with everything opening up, we all thought it would decrease a little bit. Most of the underwriters uh, who are the ones that actually approve the loan, you know, that whole COVID bump scenario has gone away. Basically, the numbers, we, we really come across a business that has 2021 numbers less than 2020 numbers. So we really haven't had to deal with that. So yeah, I, that's what, good news. Yeah, right. And I, I think what's happened for a lot of these businesses is that there was a COVID bump, but it represents a step function change. The demand for the businesses increased in a way that's been, you know, either permanent or or at least sustainable through this time period. So we've seen the same thing. We see we've seen companies that had, you know, really significant growth in 2020 and then maybe the the rate of growth has slowed down but they certainly haven't declined you know if they were up 100% last year they're up 25% this year over over that 100% bump that they were up last year so that's been really interesting it's something that you know we talk with buyers about quite a bit because the lenders and and the buyers are aligned in that you're buying the future cash flows of the business so it's really important to understand what they're going to look like after you acquire them and of course you know the historical trail of those revenues can kind of help you to understand what the likelihood is of the of the revenue is going forward. That's a really good point. And that's uh, that's what we've seen as well. So when buyers talk about money that they have to put down, you know, the down payment, kind of their equity into the deal. How do you think about kind of that optimal financing for, you know, an e-commerce small business loan? So the minimum injection or down payment set by the SBA is 10%. I know some people think it's five, but for all intents and purposes, it's 10%. But each lender has their overlays. And what that means is as the increase, as there is an increase to the price point, lenders are going to require more than just the bare minimum of 10% to be put into the deal by buyer or by buyer and seller, depending on what the structure is. But, you know, for example, if you're looking to buy a $5 million business with 10%, that's, that's not going to happen. So at those points, Normally, 20% is pretty common. And sometimes there's seller contribution. Um, seller notes are not required, and they're very common, as you know, but they're not required by at least any of our lending partners. Some lenders out there do require them, but we don't. Yeah, very certainly we see them in a lot of our in our deal structures. So, But just staying on this theme of, of the down payment and kind of the liquidity required from the buyer, let's say you've got you know, let's, I don't know, pick a number, $500,000 in cash. Will the SBA let you put a $500,000 down payment or do they want to see you keep some dry powder? Generally, the way we do it, and, and again, we have a pretty darn good success rate. What we like to see is, you know, X amount of down payment. And typically, depending on the type of business, anywhere from 5 to 8% of what's called post-closing liquidity so the answer to your question, yeah, we don't want a client to, you know, put all his money down and have no money left over. We always look for dry powder after acquisition. 
Obviously, a SaaS business is going to take a lot less dry powder than a high inventory type of acquisition. So that's why I'm giving you the 5 to 8% range. But we definitely like to see that. So that's that kind of sums it up. Okay, that's that's helpful. And uh, I think that kind of gets a little bit to my next question, which is about structure for acquisition financing. What 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 costs can be included in the financing in the loan amount? You know, what what type of things are financeable? Assuming that the business has adequate cash flow, we incorporate obviously the business acquisition. So the, the price of the business. Any inventory on hand that's maybe not included in that price, any post-closing inventory needs, for example, especially right now, here we are, August 2021, you know, Christmas, you know, a lot of our clients, a lot of, a lot of our seller clients are getting, getting ready to put orders in for the Christmas holiday. So obviously, we're going to incorporate um, some funds for post-closing inventory needs. Uh, we always build in working capital as well. And that could go towards marketing, advertising. Hey, we want to redo the website or whatever. We always include working capital. And lastly, the closing costs. So all those combined is what we incorporate into a loan. Okay. And do you ever piggyback a working capital line of credit with a term loan? Typically, our clients need want working capital right away. So generally, we incorporate it into the loan. And also lenders aren't really keen on giving out lines of credit. They're just not big on that. So typically we actually work it into the into the loan. At times, yes, we we do a line of credit, but typically that's post acquisition, not concurrent. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the uh, lenders want to see some uh, performance usually before they're gonna lend on a revolving facility. So why would buyers or why would a buyer, let's say you've got a buyer and you must see this in your business that has a strong liquidity position, right? Maybe they've got sitting on a lot of cash. Why would someone in that position use an SBA loan? It's about leverage. Oftentimes our buyers are buying multiple businesses over time. So it's that and also return on investment. Let's just say you buy a million dollar business and put 10% down. And a lot of these businesses, as you know, are increasing, you know, 20% year over year. This is, you know, 200% return on your money. I mean, where are they going to find that type of return? So they're very, they know, I mean, a lot of them can pay cash. They could just simply stroke a check and be done, but they understand the the power of leveraging and not over leverage, but leveraging. And it works out really well for them. A lot of them, instead of paying cash or having to, to raise cash, they kind of skip the equity raise, which is really good. They're not giving up any ownership in their business by having to go out and, and raise money. So ultimately, the entrepreneur retains 100% ownership, which is really appealing. Absolutely. So you and I are focused on uh, e-commerce businesses, tech companies. How is the process different for the types of businesses that we focus on versus a you know, a traditional brick and mortar business with uh, that's that's applying for an SBA loan. The loan process is is slightly different because it, it it definitely a lot of people aren't familiar with the process because it's it's not restricted by by geographic means. I mean, within the United States, that is. So, and typically doesn't have real estate involved, which is pretty prevalent in more brick and mortar type business acquisitions. 
So from that standpoint, that's different. Also, how the sales are fulfilled. I mean, ultimately, it's going to probably be fulfilled through Amazon FBA or a 3PL. Let's uh, obviously not applying to SaaS acquisitions, but and that's handled vastly differently. And most lenders, actually, I could almost say all lenders just don't understand that. Like most people, actually, most people that order on Amazon have no idea how they could get whatever they ordered in in a day. And it's done through Amazon fulfillment centers. So as a seller or as a business owner of, uh, let's just say, an FBA business, your inventory is all over the country. So when you order inventory, it gets dispersed to various Amazon fulfillment centers, and that's how your orders are fulfilled. So that's different. Also, most, most of our clients work out of their home or a small, tiny office that they don't have like a huge warehouse and huge office, you know, their, their business isn't in a huge office building. It's very, very different. I think a lot of my clients work out of a beach in Bora Bora. <laughs> and likewise, some of ours do as well. And sometimes it's hard to get a hold of them, isn't it? <laughs> but that's one of the fantastic, you know, parts about owning an e-commerce business is that they're not geographically centered anywhere. You can, you can run those, com- many of these companies can be run from anywhere in the world. And I think that's, that's really compelling for a lot of the, the operators who want to enjoy that freedom while they're, while they're running a, a business that is able to grow and support their, their lifestyle and, and really create, uh, in many cases, create a tremendous amount of wealth for them when they sell them. Oh, that's, that's, there's no doubt there. Um, we've had a lot of our clients, once they acquire a business, move to states where the taxes are far less because they're not geographically limited. A lot of them are coming here to Florida or Texas because they don't want to suffer the consequences of selling a business if they live in New York or California. I just had a client actually post-acquisition move to Puerto Rico and move his entire operation to Puerto Rico. And they're very tax-friendly there. So he's going to be saving, in his case, millions upon exit when he goes to sell his business. I think that's the topic for another uh, another Deal Closers uh, podcast is uh, why so many sellers are moving to Puerto Rico, because we see it all the time. And there, there are some really compelling financial reasons that they're doing it. So, Stephen, uh, how can our listeners get in touch with e-commerce lending? What's the best way to do it? The best way is I'll direct you to our website, ecommercelending.com. Click on the pre-qualify now tab that'll take you to a really quick assessment questionnaire. And then you'll be able to schedule a call with us. It's simple as that. We keep it really simple. We'll be able to answer all your questions on the call. But this allows us to gather a little bit of information about you before the call. So we're able to be as efficient as possible. So that's simple as that. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show today. We uh, really appreciate it. It's great to speak with you again. Want to get on your calendar to have you come back and talk to us about uh, some new products, maybe, uh, maybe later on towards the end of the year. And just really appreciate you being here, Stephen. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Isaac. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. 